Welcome to Chapter 32 of the Kinsman Die Podcast, home of fantasy fiction based on Norse mythology that's written and read by me, Matt Bishop. In this podcast, I read my first novel, Kinsman Die, one chapter at a time. Today, we're back with Vidar Odinson. Since it's been a few chapters since we were last with him, let me explain. No, there's too much. Let me sum up. Vidar is the Jarl of a district named Vithi. One of the towns in that district, Halls, had been attacked by the Jotun and burned to the ground. Vidar fought the Jotun and killed them all, and in so doing, he was completely taken over by the Disir, the spirit, inside him. That spirit makes Vidar a bearsark. Luckily, his father, Odin, arrived and saved Vidar. Once he recovered, thanks to his half-brother, Balder, Vidar convinced his father to let him figure out how the Jotun had gotten all the way to Halls undetected. And that is where we find Vidar in this chapter. Let's do this. Chapter 32. Vidar. Vidar and his warband rode through the broken, blackened, half-standing gates that had once protected halls. They had ridden down through the fields and farms, crossed the river, and now clip-clopped their way through the town's scorched foundation stones and bare ribs of frames. The town was built atop a low hill with the ridge behind it. Halls had been home to those who worked in the mines, cut timbers from the forest blanketing the mountains, or ranged far and wide trapping animals for pelts. A few piles of thatch, or worse, still smoldered, despite the fresh snow that had fallen during the night. The air was crisp, and Saul was warm on his back. Were he not leading a warband through a dead town, it would have been a perfect day. Aside from the dull, empty thud of hooves and the occasional sharp tang of burned wood. Although the town had burned down, there was no ash anywhere. The Oten shamans had used it all to spin those black longships. Halls was laid out in a circle, with four main streets and smaller streets running in concentrically smaller rings. He led his column up the main street that ran from the southwest entrance through the town and then up the mountain's shoulder to the mine. Something shifted and fell with a clatter in the shell of the building to his left. Trimfaxi danced sideways and Vidar shot a quick look into the shadows. Nothing there. He frowned at his own jumpiness and snuck a glance sideways at Garlon, whose only reaction had been to drop one hand to his sword's pommel. Vidar clucked his tongue, urging Trimfaxi forward again and led his column leftward around the broken, scorched bones of the large council hall at the village center. The remaining beams and columns stood like knithing poles, their scorn and curses focused on him. Ran's Hof loomed on the northern side of the street, black and empty. Smears of mud, soot, or blood crisscrossed the temple's stone floor, along with the fallen, scorched rafters and columns. This was one of a few buildings and halls that used, had used, stone foundations, lower walls, and floors. The heavy, thatched roofs and wooden frames were gone their ashes scattered across the plains. An approaching clatter of hooves drew Vidar's attention up the street leading northeast. A pair of scouts approached fast, horses blowing and lathered. Even the scouts were winded. Jarl, we've found the trail, and it's fresh. Do they know we're here, Skeggy? Vidar asked, settling in beside the scout on his left and Garlon on his right. They were well hidden inside the snow-laden firs a couple spear lengths from the road the miners used, the very one so many had been killed on. 
Vidar had rushed out of halls, driving his warband and the 38 Harar his father had left him, up the mining road till they reached the mining camp, just as Sol was nearly down below the western mountain's teeth. Mani was on his way up. The damp, sharp air made him think snow would fall during the night. I doubt it, Jarl, Skaggy said, but they must know their warband's been destroyed. When we snuck up on them, they were tearing down some of the longhouses to build those barricades. You can see... there. A low barricade of rough-hewn stakes blocked the entrance to the mining camp itself. The Jotun had positioned it between a pair of longhouses. Vidar frowned and squinted trying to spy any Jotun warrior squatting behind the first barricade. If there were any, it would take sharper eyes than his to spot them. The chill evening wind blew low swirls of snow across the road. Attacking now would be foolish, he said, glancing at Garlon. I agree, Earl, his Kjoller said in his axle creak of a voice. Vidar gestured toward the forest's verge, which ran a ragged path within a dozen yards of the nearest longhouse. Have you scattered along there? Skaggy nodded. Yes, Jarl. The ground falls off quick the further you go, so much so that we only saw one group of Jotun watching that whole approach. They have a barricade in place there, too, but it's sparsely manned, either because they don't expect an attack, or they don't have the numbers. Or both, Garlon muttered. Could we attack along that unprotected flank? Vidar asked. Skeggy shook his head. It's a sheer rock face covered in ice, Jarl. Only way up is with grapnels and ropes. And even if they somehow didn't hear us, they'd see us once we were up there. Vidar caught the slight nod from Garlon, which meant, he guessed, he should trust the scout's assessment. All right, Skeggy, thank you. With your permission, Jarl, I'll scout the far side of the camp. Skeggy pointed back down the slope. We'll work our way up to where the steeper slopes begin. There's plenty of boulders to use as cover. And if they have their own scouts there? Vidar asked. We kill them quietly. Again, the slight nod from Garlon. And you're certain you can do that without raising an alarm? Yes, Jarl, absolutely. All right, go ahead. Take a few men you trust and send word back when you're done. We'll be ready. Well, folks, that was chapter 32 of Kinsmen Die. I hope you enjoyed it. We were with Vidar as he and his warband, along with some Einharar, snuck up on a group of Jotun who remained behind in the mining camp in the mountains north of Halls. Within the remnants of Halls, I mentioned the temples of Agir and Ron. According to Zemek's Dictionary of Northern Mythology, which is pretty much my go-to resource, that word just means temple. And frankly, that's about it in this chapter. I do want to make one slight correction. I misspoke in last week's episode. I said that Hel was one of Loki's daughters. I should have just said that she's his only daughter. Loki does have four sons, Vali and Narfi, whom we've met, and Jorm and Fenrir. Jorm is Jormungandr, the world serpent. Fenrir is a gigantic wolf, and more about them in a future episode. Next week, we're back with Vafrudnir and Helveg. Before then, if you have the time and inclination, please take a few moments to rate or review the podcast. That provides valuable feedback for me and helps boost the show's visibility as a sharing it. And if you're so inclined, shoot me an email at mattbishopwrites at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, I'm going to read from the Havamal, Sayings of the High One. And as usual, I'll be reading from the Bellows and Larrington translations. We're still nearing the end of the verses in which Odin provides advice about how to conduct oneself in a hall during feasts. Bellows, verse 32. Friendly of mind are many men. 
till feasting they mock at their friends. To mankind a bane must it ever be when guests together strive. Larrington, verse 32. Many men are devoted to one another, and yet they fight at feasts. Amongst men there will always be strife, guest squabbling with guest. Thanks for listening.